Welcome back to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're here at the Tennessee Turfgrass Association Conference in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we're talking to somebody from Minnesota. We got Chris Tritabai here, the superintendent at Hazeltine National Golf Club in Chaska, Minnesota, and we're discussing uh, Ryder Cup preparation, which he talked about earlier today. First off, Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for asking me to do this. I mean, we talked, uh, we sort of joked when you came over that I, we're doing this in my room. And, you know, I think both of us felt that was a little weird to, to do something like this in a room, usually around the phone or in an office. This is a little little uh, different than normal, but still fun to do. So, Chris, you're, you're from Minnesota. You work there. What does this event mean to the people of your state? What, is it, what does it mean to have an international sporting event of this magnitude come to your golf course? Well, so at the, when I did the talk for the, the group this morning here um, at the, the conference center, you know, I, I mentioned my pride in being a Minnesotan and, and how I feel and how I get, I feel pride at the, the shape of the state when I see that outline and when I hear Minneapolis and I hear Twin Cities, I hear Minnesota, and I, I went to the University of Minnesota, I worked there my whole life. That's really, I think, kind of uh, an example of how all Minnesotans feel about um, about their state in general. There's a lot of pride. They really love, we love each other. We love other Minnesotans. You know, when you talk about pro sports teams and such, nobody, there's, you know, nobody in Minnesota loves, you know, if you're a wild fan, you love nothing more than for a guy who played college hockey or high school hockey in Minnesota to come back and play for the wild. So there's a, just a tremendous amount of pride that Minnesotans have in their state and their, in their, in their place. And I think that the Ryder Cup and the, the fact that it's going to be held here and it's an event that only gets held once every four years is something that people uh, people just have a tremendous amount of pride over. One of the things you did last fall was you emulated what the week's going to be like, what Ryder Cup week's going to be like. What did you learn agronomically from that experience a few months ago? I think the biggest thing for us from an agronomic standpoint that we learned during that time frame is is was the the growth regulation and the mowing schedule so the 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 dates of the Ryder Cup are the 30th of September and the 1st and 2nd of October which is really getting pretty late in our year Um, typically for us we will probably mow for our last time um, sometime the 10th to the 15th of October so we're only a week to 10 days away from maybe our last mowing so growth has substantially been reduced and uh, temperatures are cool. We can typically have some frost, maybe some snow, hopefully not. But but it's it's a different thing. In the summer, you've got good growth. You've got strong growth from the turf plant. You kind of know what you need to do to regulate, and you can regulate um, with PGR is pretty hard and mow and know that you're going to get the, the growth and recovery to sort of keep the, the plants in, in good shape through the event. Uh, what we noticed at our year-out event is using our typical PGR rates, which are pretty high going right up to the end of the season, is that the amount of mowing that we had to do to prepare for that, coupled with the lack of natural growth, really put us in a spot where we look at our typical PGR rates will probably be too much, and we're going to have to back that off and find that that fine line of, uh, of uh, you know, where, where to be with that. Because I think given seven to eight to nine days of mowing consecutively every day, sometimes twice a day, you wear the turf out pretty quick at that time of year, I think. So we'll have to be careful about that. It's January. It's obviously freezing in Minnesota. Anyone who watched the Viking Seahawks playoff game knows that it's awfully cold up your way. But with that said, where where are you at with preparations? What are some things you you focus on during a, a month like this? Yeah, we had uh, leading up from the time the course closed until the time that, uh, until now essentially, uh, early this week, 
we had probably a thousand truckloads of material come into the course. We've been installing, or contractors have been installing um, drinking water lines throughout the golf course. About two miles of pipe was laid. We also had a large number of uh, pads and roads uh, for construction in preparation for next year's um, infrastructure construction being built. Roads that'll be used both for building the structures themselves and also servicing the structures during the week of the event. So there's been a lot of, uh, of sort of in-ground activity taking place this fall. And we were very fortunate to have sort of a, a Tennessee-like uh, fall and uh, early winter and that the, the temperatures were pretty warm. We didn't have a lot of snow up until after Christmas. So uh, we were very fortunate to get a lot of work done this fall. And that'll help because uh, things will get going pretty pretty soon in the spring. How big is the spring for you? Obviously, the uh, the members aren't going to get their course, you know, beginning in September. How important is it to produce a, a good product for the people that are there every single day and that support you, you know, th 365? Well, I think the biggest thing and you just said it, is to be able to provide a product for our membership. So when people join Hazeltine, they join knowing that they're going to be at probably at some point during their member, during their time as a member, hosting a major championship. And they join for that reason. But at the same time, they still want to be able to play their golf course. They want to be able to, especially in a Ryder Cup year like this, they want to be able to bring guests out and bring people out to sh you know show things off and to show them what they're going to have and what's going to be going on. So we need to keep that in mind. And so we're going to have a tight uh, golf schedule next year. A lot of our events are going to be forced into sort of the second half of May, June, and July because in August we're going to move to uh, mats on fairways and hit from mats so that there won't be any more divots. So club events, outside events, all that sort of stuff are really going to be in a small small section of time so the spring is really important not so much for the Ryder Cup because we know that we've got an entire growing season by the end of September I mean you could grow in a golf course and probably plan it by the end of the year not that we're going to do that but uh, you could and so that's not such a concern but we want to have a good good uh, a good course right off the bat for our membership because they're gonna it's gonna be a big year for them as well it's gonna be sort of a show-off year and they want the course to be as good as possible what has it been like working with the PGA during this process? And explain to people what the role of the, the superintendent is in all of this. Yeah, so this is my first major event that I've worked as a superintendent. And really, um, because I've been at Hazeltine now, the other my other connections and experiences have been around the PGA. But I just can't imagine a better experience than what we've gotten with the PGA of America. Kerry um, Haig is the chief championship officer uh, for the PGA of America. He's been in that role for a long time. Um, I think he's been with the PGA for more than 25 years, and he's done countless PGA championships and Ryder Cups, and he really knows um, what needs to be done. I, I think you know, we were chatting uh, after the talk today that his setup of, for the events is really phenomenal. He does a great job. He creates great drama without... Uh, really a lot of controversy and I think he leaves the membership with a great golf course the, the golf course is in in as good a shape when it leaves inside the ropes as it was before they got there and Kerry understands the role of the superintendent he understands uh, the superintendent's job uh, you, you'd, you'd never guess it from just a maybe a conversation but his turf knowledge is, is really good he knows when we he, he speaks our language but yet at the same time when he came into my office and sat down across the desk like we are now you know, the first thing he said is, this is you and me. We're going to put this thing together, and if we need help, we'll get help. But otherwise, you know, well, I'll tell you what we're looking for. We'll talk about it, and uh, you're the agronomist, and, and, you know, we'll, I'll trust you to, to, to put it together for us. So that's really refreshing. Uh, he's a great um, 
he's great for superintendents and it's it's been great for me to to have that experience working with him and i look forward to uh you know a really that relationship developing even more as the year goes on You've been at Hazeltine for three years. You have some crew members that have probably been there for a lot longer than that. How big have they been in this whole process, and how nice is it to get to show off their work to the world? Yeah, huge. I think when I add up of all of our staff, full-time and seasonal staff, and, and I add up the number of major championships that they've worked at Hazeltine, I think at the number uh, off the top of my head, I, I don't know exactly, but it's somewhere around 40. So between the seasonal staff and the and the full-timers. I've got a mechanic who's been there for 27 years, was there for the 91 U.S. Open and everything since. And another um, staff member who's been there since before the 91 U.S. Open and everything since. So these guys have seen this before. They've seen the, the, the circus come to town, if you will. And they know what it's like to watch the buildup of an event happen like this. They, they, they know what to watch out for. And I've really been able to turn over um, a lot um, to them. Our, our Keith Conway, who is our irrigation tech, is, is just one of the great individuals I've ever met. And he's calm, and he's, 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 uh, but he works hard. And he, you know, he's going to be key as marking of, of in-ground infrastructure. And, and Steve uh, Geeson, our, our, our drainage expert, our drainage sort of project foreman, is the same way. Those two have been there for, uh, both have been there more than 20 years and they both know what's in the ground and they can go out and they can mark things and they can make sure that we don't have anything get ruined as this whole thing gets built up. And they do it calm, in a calm and efficient manner. And they, 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 they do it very well. And I've turned that over to them. I, you know, I let them communicate directly with the PGA or with the contractors. And it takes something off my plate and, and keeps me from being the middleman when, you know, if somebody calls me and says, hey, Chris, we need something, we need this area marked because we're going to start building here tomorrow. Well, I could go to right into a meeting, forget about it, and all of a sudden they're building on top of something that Keith needed to mark. I forgot to tell him. Uh, so, so he's really going to have a direct line to those contractors. And, and uh, you know, that's the way we work. I'm there to facilitate um, this great staff that we have doing, uh, doing great work, and, and that's what I try to do every day. Last thing before we, we let you go, most of the people in the golf industry who watch this on television are never going to have a chance to do what you're going to do. What, what do you want the average golf course superintendent or assistant superintendent to take away from what's going to happen at Hazeltine later this year? Well, I think, I think it's a, what, what people maybe don't know behind the scenes. It's just that we try to do things the right way. We try to, uh, you know, we have a great staff that we treat really well. We don't try to overwork people. You know, the golf industry has maybe uh, gotten to the point where, where there's a lot of excess in some regard and, you know, people are working hours, uh, you know, sun up to sundown. And I'm sure we'll have our days during this event where that's going to take place. But, but uh, you know, overall, we, we do things in a, a very um, sort of efficient um, manner that's friendly for our staff and friendly for them to have a life outside of work. Um, and, and, and that's, we'll be true to that as the season goes on. We'll try to do our best to, to make that happen. And I think, you know, what, what people can see is that even in doing things in that manner, you can produce a really high level product. And, uh, and that's what we do every day. And that's what we're going to do for everybody to see on TV in uh, September. Chris, thanks a lot for joining us. And I think everybody in the golf industry wishes you the best of luck. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been great. It's a pleasure to do it. You've been listening to the Superintendent Radio Network, the podcast of Golf Course Industry Magazine, a production of GIE Media. I've been your host, Guy Cipriano. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes or the SRN page of golfcourseindustry.com. Talk to us at srn at gie.net or at GCI Magazine on Twitter. Thanks for listening.